0: Thank you, Stephen. And uh, I don't know that it was made clear, but we honored Stephen because it's a, a birthday that ends in O. It's one of the big ones, so he gets the yes. cupcake. Or, it, depending on your perspective, it might end in O. <laughs> so, Stephen, welcome to the Middle Ages. Well, there's something about age. But it it will not be the Dark Ages. Just judging from the candle count, it's not going to be the Dark Ages. Wow. 2022. Here we are in 2022. It still kind of feels like 2020. A little bit. And that's because this is 2022. You see, first we faced 2020. It was us versus 2020. And then some say that 2021. Right? And now this is 2022. So here we are. I will. unashamedly admit that I stole that mercilessly from my daughter that joke and the reason for that is so that at least I can tell one that she won't blame me for later and roll her eyes so there's the one Uh, I'll just say that it's been quite a trip to get here and I'm not talking about the 8-mile drive from my house I'm going to share things from my heart and from what God has done over the last couple of years. And it's been a, a challenging season, full board, nonstop. It's been challenging. And I hope to be able to give some of my testimony in that it's been a season of unprecedented trial, unlike anything that Chrysanthi and I have faced in our married life. So uh, we were married in 2000. Uh, but. It's been a season of where I can see fruit in a way that I haven't seen it before. So glory to God for that. So that's part of the motivation in being here, is to be able to share that with you in the context of God's word, because God does this kind of thing with everybody. It's not me. It's, it's everyone. It's his agenda. So Stephen, I'm honored and humbled to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And let me just pray as we turn to God's word. Father God, we still ourselves before you to hear you clearly. Let the power of your word grip us, hold us, change us. Let your Holy Spirit strengthen me to speak what you have intended And let any challenges that we have faced that seem dark to us be like velvet against which you shine like the stars in the sky or like diamonds, because you're the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to Matthew 3, and we're going to read about an epic drama We've just come through the Christmas season. The drama of Jesus Christ coming to the earth. The world forces of darkness had been at play, working against God and his plan for years upon years. And in the fullness of time, we come to the moment when God's champion is going to arise. God's sending his champion. All the Old Testament prophecies pointed to Jesus. Jesus. There was the star that was there that announced his birth. The shepherds hear the angels and go to him. Um, He is attended by kings. And then the boy, Jesus, grows in favor with God and men. And now, in what we're going to read, we come to God leading his boy out, if you will. The time when the champion is going to be revealed. So, let's take a look, let's see how that happened. We'll start Matthew chapter three, starting in verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now because it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he immediately went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said this, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. My subject today is the revealing of the Son of God, It's an unusual passage. We don't get here what we usually would think of as being the dramatic revealing of the Son of God. John was baptizing for repentance, which just means turning your heart towards God. And we've already heard in the things I've said about the the miraculous events surrounding the coming of the Christ, his birth, the announcement of his birth, and so forth. Uh, But John himself, had miracles surrounding his birth. He was born to a barren couple that had been praying and praying and praying and then finally his birth came. It was also announced by an angel, like Jesus. So there's, something is afoot. Something in the plans of God is happening. And John and Jesus were second cousins. So they knew each other's stories Their mothers were close. Mary went to Elizabeth for comfort and counsel when she was with child, with Jesus. So the boys now are grown, but they knew each other. And John now is baptizing in the Jordan River for repentance. And what's interesting in my reading of scripture is that John didn't really exactly know who Jesus was at this time. Even later, he had some questions, but I'll read John 1:32 through 34. It says, I saw the Spirit, this is John speaking, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself didn't know him, But he who sent me to baptize with water, that's the Lord, the Lord's calling of John, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He didn't know at that time Who he was. Here's John baptizing at the Jordan, urging people to repent, to come to God, to turn. He's doing the very thing that he's been called to do. John's doing his ministry. And then along comes his cousin, the one he knew the stories about. They, you know, it's countryside rumors, not rumors, but stories travel, and they knew each other's stories. So here comes Jesus And John could discern people's spirits and what their motives were. He was a prophet of the Lord. He knew who was being sincere and who was not. And if you back up in John 3, you'll realize that John has some pretty sharp words for the Pharisees. But here comes Jesus, no sharp words for him, no harsh words for his cousins, though they were very different, John and Jesus. They were on different paths, in different lanes, if you will, both serving the Lord. And here comes Jesus, cousin? What are you doing here? You're the last one that I should be baptizing. If anything, seriously, this should be the other way around, complete honor and respect for the man and for the fact that he knew the guy was following the Lord, he didn't maybe understand everything, this revelation of who he was hadn't come to him, and yet here now, it happens. This is the moment of the revelation, even to John. John now, at this moment, because the heavens open, and he sees the Spirit of God coming in the form of a dove and resting and remaining on him, That's how he knew. God said, the one on whom this spirit remains, that's the one. And it's confirmed with an audible voice that John heard at least and several others, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so we have the revealing of the son of God. Let's read a little bit further. I'll pick it up in 17 and read on through into chapter 4. So there was this voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written... Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God only. And only him shall you serve. And then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. And in Luke chapter 4, it reads that the devil departed from him until a more opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot here. So much that I humbly asked Stephen if I could actually take two weeks to present this material. It's been two years in coming. There's a lot here. But what I want to focus on right now is this moment, the revealing of Jesus. This is my beloved son. I've already said it's a strange passage. Here's, you know, what, what do we expect? If God's going to reveal his son, what do we expect in that moment? Here's the man. Well, we kind of get that with the announcement. And then you would think immediately the crowd that John had gathered would all fall in line. There'd be some miraculous events, and everything, boom, from that moment starts kicking. Well, things from that moment start kicking, but not in that way. What we get instead is the sun led into the wilderness. Did I, did I read that right? <laughs> Roundabout here is where things really start to hit home because I do not believe that this was happenstance. It's not just the way that it happened to turn out to be. Jesus, it says, was led by the Spirit into the desert. This was a very purposeful and conscious plan of God. Can't get away from it. And this, so often, is where our path and God's path part ways. In our human understanding, at that pivotal moment, we want to strike up the band at the waters of the Jordan. But God leaves his his path from the Jordan into the desert. And in our stubbornness, we think, Whew. Thank goodness that was Jesus and not me. But friends, God's path of sonship, his path of calling, the consecration of his children leads from the Jordan through the desert and on from there. As I read scripture, that appears to be the norm. There's a classic example in the Old Testament. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And immediately upon their deliverance, they face a trial, another river. It was their baptism. Scripture draws that analogy at the Red Sea, but that's not where it ends either because then they're led from there into the wilderness. And in fact, the scriptures that Jesus cites are from that wilderness experience. That's what he's drawing on as he deals with the devil, the deceiver. Now granted, Israel overstayed their itinerary That wasn't plan A necessarily. Understand? God in his mercy still got them through a generation fell aside. That's a different topic, a different sermon. But the plan of the Lord for them led through the desert, a place where there was no water and food was scarce. Really? Well, maybe it's a fluke. Okay, let's let let's square this with scripture. Let's think about this. Okay, let's see. Maybe David, anointed by king, by anointed as king by Saul, Samuel. Get my words mixed. Anointed by Samuel. That's right. And that even surprised his dad. And then so this is the new king. It's God's chosen. But then David's heart was proven by—that's right—Saul, murderous trial, spears in flight. Uh. That doesn't. That's not a. Strike up the band. Okay, moving on. Let's see. Maybe Joseph. Joseph, lots of dreams, amazing coat, huge promises. And then slavery, a little time in a well, uh, imprisonment, uh, and then he was the second most powerful in the land, only to Pharaoh. Okay, Uh, maybe maybe it's still a fluke. What else we got? Let's see, maybe um, Abraham, Abraham. Okay, good. God had promised him countless descendants the blessing of the nations through a son. I'm liking where this is going, okay? And that son, Isaac, was years in arriving with a bit of a false start in the middle. Uh, uh, and once Isaac arrived, get this, once Isaac arrived, there was a little journey that God had Abraham take for about three days, during which time, Abraham fully expected that the end of that journey would be in the death of his son at his own hand. It turned out differently, but not along the way. God's path, our path. Maybe it's not a fluke. How am I doing? Everybody comfortable? Happy? All right. This is how God reveals sons and daughters. There's the point. That's the pattern. Hello? This is how God does it. This is how God reveals his children. This is how God takes ordinary people like you and me and turns us into kingdom heirs. This is the pattern. This is how he does it. He takes ordinary folks and puts upon us a mark of discipline, which is not to be equated with punishment. It's a discipline. Learning an instrument, that's a discipline. It's not punishment. If you learn how to do it well, Glory to God, it's fun and people get jazzed, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Right? God takes ordinary folks, puts a mark of discipline on us so that we know, so that the devil knows, so that everybody knows this one belongs to the king. Might not like it, but I can't dispute with that. Has ever anyone here ever faced anyone difficult anything difficult? Anyone? Anyone? Just me? I see some hands. Let me give you a little bit of insight into my, our family's 2021. So, a little bit of a excursion here. Many of you already know from the testimony that got uh, that. Krasanthi uh, gave here a number of weeks back that her health in the beginning of 2021 was at a low ebb, facing challenges I can't even express how how challenging that was to, to be facing. My stress level personally was pegged. Like on a scale of one to ten, scrap that, we need a new scale. It was bad. And not just for that moment like this was a long-term serious problem. I will call it toxic stress. Then there was Christmas and the New Year's holiday. And sometime around in that time or shortly after, we had to take my youngest son, Malachi, to the emergency room because he was having severe hives, allergic reactions to, we don't know, no clue. But it's not going away. What? We must fix this situation, and yet there's nothing to, to fix. How do you, what? This was how our year was beginning. So through several conversations and things pointing like coming from all sides with the same comment, check out mold. What about mold? Have your house tested for mold? Have you thought maybe there's a mold issue? Maybe there. so it's like, we're gonna run with everything that we know. So we had the mold house tested for mold at, the, at tremendous expense. We have it tested. Sure enough, there's some mold issues, possibly enough to sicken someone, but not horrible. Like the guy himself that was in there was saying, this isn't, it's not that bad. I almost wonder why I'm here, but I would fix these things. So we had a little list. Somewhere in that time, we were nervous about such things, so up comes the flooring in the office. Just, (laughs) let's get rid of it, maybe that's it. So at least it's gone, and then, well, I'm gonna skip quite a lot. To avoid uh, further aggravating any felt health issues during this time, we decided. Okay, well, if flooring is going to come up, we decided we're going to just replace all the flooring in the base on the on the main floor. Take out carpet, go with a a stump double for hardwood flooring. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our plan, but if we're going to do that, we're stirring up everything that might be there. So hello, not great to just stay home through all of that. I mean, I could probably weather through, but even that, not great. So Chrysanthi's parents live in town, wonderful. We'll be able to stay with them, right? So this is our plan, and uh, you know, Lovely people, very gracious. Certainly you can come stay with us. Whoops, wait a minute, your sister called. They need to come stay because guess what? They've got issues in their home with a renovation and they need to come stay someplace because they can't stay at their home. Seriously, now? What with the, with the, what? So this is 2021. This is kind of how the year went and we're only in the first quarter. Not long after that, or you know, somewhere around this time, uh, we also, because there wasn't enough going along, uh, began exploring independent living options for my mother. Well, that's a simple thing, right? Okay. No No, that's not a simple thing. My sister flew in from Texas to help us. And after she was with mom, and with us, and with everyone, we found out that she had been exposed to COVID. And therefore, also all of us. Seriously, there's no way all this fits into one year. But like I say, we're only in the first quarter. And uh, at some point in the middle of all of this, my youngest Malachi comes to me, I think we were in the car driving back from somewhere, and he says, Dad, do you enjoy life? (laughs) Now, my little guy is perceptive. At his age, he knows God, and I had the nerve to name him after a prophet. So, uh, So, I'm impressed. Like this guy's reading my mail. Enjoy life right now. Seriously, uh, yeah. quick, evade the question. Life cereal? Do I like life cereal? Is that what you're asking, Dad? No, I'm not asking whether you life, like life. Like life cereal? Do you like? Do you enjoy life? Uh, sweaty palms, racing heart, I'm nailed. Uh, kind of. I mean, like, I, I want to? These, these things are difficult, son. Lord, help me. I want to enjoy life. Why do you ask, Malachi? Why do you ask? Well, because if you do, we really should get some Enjoy Life chocolates. There's a brand called Enjoy Life, where they make chocolates. What? That's a great idea, son. Let's go get some Enjoy Life chocolates. All the while, I'm sure the Lord's laughing in heaven, sending his, you know, it's doing flybys by me, <laughs> Lord has a sense of humor. Now, you might argue, getting back to the scripture, that this trial that Jesus faces is a result of the fall. You know, we, we finally admitted through all these different examples, okay, there seems to be a bit of a pattern here. Well, that must be because of sin, Right? Otherwise, everything wouldn't be so difficult. Well, there's. I'm not denying the curse, okay? But let's tread carefully. God created Adam and Eve in complete perfection, perfect harmony with himself, God's exclusive image bearers. You know, when people see angels, they fall on their face in fear, and the angels typically say, fear not. You know, that's the dynamic. And yet, these people, Adam and Eve, those were the image bearers. There was something special going on in the heart of God. And he placed them in a garden where there were two trees. And God said not to eat one of them. And I don't believe that the tree was placed there as a stumbling block. I don't find that in the character of God. The Lord doesn't tempt anyone, nor is he tempted. That's scripture. And yet we've got these two trees. I don't think the trees were there to provoke something. I think they were there as a preview of God's hope and agenda for his people. Both trees. Both trees. His plan was that his children would follow him and grow and maturity, grow in depth, grow in knowledge and expression of the character and intimacy with God, so that anything they face, they face it expressing the image and nature of God himself. But to enter into all of that, to enter into all of that, they had to learn God's ways, learn God's ways. Grow in maturity. Spend time with the Lord. The Lord wanted them, or sorry, he warned them. This one, this tree, this is dangerous. You're not ready for it yet. Okay? Stay away from that one. I'm putting some boundaries here. I'm trying to help you. Right? Let us not accuse God. Okay? His perfect, sinless son, Adam, the darling of creation, faced a trial. Before the fall, before the fall, Adam and Eve, they faced it together, and we know they didn't fare so well. So we need to understand this. To achieve and enter into all the very best that God had for him, Adam, yes, Adam, had to face And overcome a trial. And the only way for him to do that successfully was hand in hand with the father. And now, in the passage we read, the second Adam, also without sin, faces a trial. Praise God, he did a better job. So what's that teach us? The trial, friends, is not the enemy. The trial is not the enemy. The temptation, per se, that's not the enemy. The deceiver is the enemy. The liar, the accuser, that's the enemy. The one who warps and twists the word of God, ruins our perspective, that's the enemy. The one who disrupts our relationship with the Father, That's the enemy. The trials, the hardships, the afflictions. Here's scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.14. Paul tells us that they are preparing for us or producing in us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Evidently, God's path and our path aren't always the same path or at least our perceptions, what I hope to do today, Lord help me, is to open our perceptions to see God for his hope in creation. And the fact that irrespective of the circumstances or happenings, he has never let that go. The trial is not the enemy. For too long our prayers have been lead us not into difficulty. But Jesus says lead us not into temptation because he knows we don't do so well there. Jesus says deliver us from evil but we pray deliver me from my circumstances. If we can face the trials and let them prove Our hearts toward God, like any of these trials of Abraham or David or Jesus, if we can face the trials and let them prove the character of God in our hearts, then our circumstances will either collapse like the walls of Jericho, or they will prove to be the undoing of a stronghold of the enemy, just like Jesus' crucifixion on the cross destroyed the works of the devil. If we can catch hold of God on the other side of the trial, I tell you, there is power. There is strength. There is hope not only to press through the trial, but also see the victory. David's prayer was, I'm convinced I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not letting go. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this isn't how ordinary people live. It is, though, how prophetic people live. It's not every day, but this is, I believe, the nature and calling of a kingdom of priests, which is who we are. By the grace of God and his determination and calling, that's who we are. Have you ever faced a trial Another excursion here, some of you know that I worked in the electric motor industry for about 30 years. And I'm as shocked as anyone to be able to say I'm no longer in that industry. I worked on highly integrated, very complex technical systems that were designed to capture all the design requirements in order to uh, satisfy a a custom electric motor uh, order. Everyone, it was like snowflakes, there were no two of them the same. Everyone required engineering content. So it was very complex, lots of different systems, all interwoven and connected, plus the logic and the business logic. It was like wrestling a Leviathan. Uh, The more I learned, the bigger the beast became. And some of you maybe that are here or listening online are maybe having PSTD, flashbacks of my conversations of getting into all of this stuff with you. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was not pretty. And I know some of you probably were thinking, whew, I'm glad that was Jeff. <laughs> I was suffocating, really. And one day, my boss came to me and said, well, it's obvious we have to do suf- something. And I thought, yeah, that, that's... So we're relieving you of your team, and you will report to someone new. What do you do with that? 30, 30 years in the industry with the same company. What do you do with that? Strike out like, in wrath like Paul? I say Paul. Saul against King David? strike out against the newly anointed or the appointed authority. It's a professional environment, so we can't exactly throw spears. Although, seriously, you know that people can tear somebody down in the very most respectful and polite manner. What do you do? I was under a compulsion that I would follow more in David's path, the man after God's own heart. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." I didn't have a choice. I'm not saying everyone would do this, but I immediately scheduled a meeting with my new boss to deliver the kings of the kingdom. This is where we're at. This is what we're doing. These are all the secrets behind the veil, You know the whole thing. This is it. This is your team. Welcome. What do you want me to do? That's how I handled it. And for more than a year, God kept me in that humbling role before he ever opened up the possibility of a conversation. And it wasn't like I wasn't looking for conversations to happen. I'd had some. I was pursuing things. I was knocking on every door that I could find, figuratively speaking. And I remember praying specifically, Lord, if it's right, let the door open. And if it's not, keep the door shut because I don't want to miss you, I don't want to take a wrong step. I have my entire family in tow, the stakes are high. What do you do? Well, I went from what I thought was kind of like a long hallway with lots and lots of closed doors Everything was closed, (laughs) like none of them are budging, to a long hallway with absolutely no doors. There was no conversation, nothing. People were staying away in droves. That was supposed to be a joke. but (laughs) (laughs) I could only conclude that God had me where I was supposed to be. There There was nothing else to do. Yeah, that's 2021. Seriously? Same year? Weren't we talking about this year? Wasn't it full already? Yes, that was 2021. Mold remediation, flooring replaced, we moved my mother in August, and I started in a new job on October 4th. All 2021. And I tell you, down to the day, or even the moment, God was orchestrating the time of that job change Uh, We began training on new software the very same week that I announced I would be moving to a different position. That was not my choice. It's how how the timing worked. My last week, I led an orientation and planning session with some new consultants who were being brought on board because of the new software. It's like everything was ramping up. And I'm leading those meetings. Why? Because my boss could not because her parents got COVID. Seriously? What on earth is happening? Sadly, her mother died of COVID in my last two days at the company. Now this is the second time that I personally prayed for this woman, that God would do something and protect her and guard her and just help her through a difficult season. I don't understand the timing. And then the very moment that I walked away from that job, I mean, literally, as I opened the back door, I hit the sidewalk, as soon as my feet hit pavement, I get a call from my new boss. Literally, 20 feet outside the door, my my new boss calls, hey, just checking in. Hope everything's going okay. You still planning to be here Monday? Yes, sir. I don't understand this timing. I don't. I would never wish it on anyone. But how many of us know that the most trying times are often the times when we see God most clearly? How many times have we read and and studied and encouraged each other with those times of the Red Sea crossing or the time in the wilderness. I tell you, those were not comfortable times for them. But how encouraging. Why? Because God was revealed. And so were his people. This is my people. I'm doing something with this group of people. The trial is not the enemy. God uses it to reveal himself. And it's not only God that's being revealed, it's his people. He's revealing his sons, his sons and daughters. How do you recognize a true child of God? They do what they see the Father doing, and they say what they hear the Father saying. That's how we know. And it's often... Circumstances that we would not choose that God chooses to demonstrate that because that's part of his path. His perspective is bigger than ours, longer than ours. I'm not going to be able to read it. Romans 8, well, I will read For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. And then in verse 29, it says, For those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's us. It's the glory of the children of God. I'm going to leave you with one additional thought. There's so much, and I apologize for going a little long. In this passage, we have Jesus coming into his own through this trial. And he's baptized by John the Baptist, and we've already mentioned these two in Luke Chapter 7, Jesus calls John the greatest of the prophets. And in the prophecy that was given before his birth to Zechariah, it says he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go in before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So there's this parallel coming between John and Elijah. Micah's prophecy ends with a promise that God would send Elijah the prophet, and then in Matthew 11, Jesus indicates that John is in the line of the Old Testament prophets, and in fact, if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Well, you can't get clearer than that, that there is a parallel between John the Baptist and Elijah. So there's this indisputable connection, but what's the connection? I will tell you, I haven't been able to see that parallel until now. We don't see John doing tons of miracles. You know, his ministry is totally different from Elijah's. I don't, it's like, that's not the parallel. I don't get it. They don't seem very much kindred or alike at all, but in these passages, we read of a transition. This gets us closer. A recognition, the prophetic baton being passed from an authority to a son. In the Old Testament, it's Elijah passing the prophetic call to a great successor. In the New Testament, we have the John as the forerunner of Christ announcing and preparing the way before him. So in the parallel, Scripture is emphasizing not the man, but the transition. The sonship. The one that's coming. That's the emphasis of the scripture. So let's think about that transition. You know, that's how I started. Let's think about this announcement, the the, the revealing of the Son of God. Let's think about this transition too because it's here in the same scripture. Elijah found Elisha who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him and Elijah passed by and cast his cloak upon him. That's all it took. And immediately Elisha takes up His implements, like everything he was working with there, sacrifices his oxen and boils their flesh on a fire that he built from the wood from the yokes of his oxen. Everything up in smoke. Literally, his entire livelihood he put there in sacrifice. As far as we know, there was nothing left. You see that? Similarly, Jesus, when God laid upon him a call, did not account equality with God as something to be grasped, but he set aside all of the dignities of his royal office and took on the form of a servant. He sacrificed everything. But there's more. The day that Elijah was taken up into heaven... They crossed the Jordan River, Elijah and Elisha. They crossed the Jordan River, same river where Jesus is being baptized. They crossed that river together. And Elijah says, what shall I do for you, Elisha, before I'm taken up, before I'm taken from you? What, what, what can I do for you? And here is Elisha's response. Please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. Now, Elisha saw his mentor, Elijah, taken up into heaven. And I'm going very quickly here. And he comes back from the other side of the river, crossing the river, and he strikes it with Elijah's mantle, and it parts. And he crosses. So here's Elijah's baptism, parallel kind of experience, coming back in the power of the Lord. And there's no other prophet, that's recorded with more miracles. In fact, it's exactly double the number of miracles that Elijah had performed. I always thought that what Elisha was asking for is he wanted double the power. But the actual words say he was asking for a double portion which is the inheritance portion of a firstborn son. And what does a prophet have to give you? Cloak? That's about it. How do you get a double portion of a cloak? There's not much inheritance to have. Elisha asked for a double portion of the spirit that's on you. The spirit of the Lord is on you, and I want that doubled to me as a son. The emphasis of the scripture is not about the man. It's about the transition. It's about the dedication of heart of that son. This passage is about sonship. Here we have... In what we read today, the latter Elijah, baptizing in the Jordan, and when he comes up, the heavens are open, and there's this thunderous voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Everything about this passage points to the revealing of Jesus as the son of God, who sacrificed everything, like his predecessor, Elisha, who takes his place as the firstborn amongst many brethren, like we read, in Romans chapter 8 and then the devil that conniving deceiver which is worse than just a liar if you're really the son of God prove it and he did right then that's what we're going to be looking at next week he proved it See, God doesn't measure sonship based on some spiritual resume. He does not measure things the way that we think. He measures sonship on the completeness of the sacrifice. He measures sonship on the intimacy of the relationship with the Father. Jesus didn't prove his sonship by some impressive miracle then at that moment. He flatly refused. Get your head around that one. He proved his sonship by persevering. He proved his sonship by preserving at all costs his relationship with the Father. A pure heart completely given to doing what he saw in the heart of the Father. And this is the pattern that we are encouraged to follow. Present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable to God in pure and holy worship. That's the, that's the example that we're given to follow. See, this is how God's sons are made. This is how the true people of God are made. This is how daughters of the Most High rise up. Our destiny, our sonship, our daughterhood is hidden in Christ. I will end there. If there's any of this that has struck a chord with you, I'm available. Call me. Reach out. We're going to be again together next week looking at this passage more. And I apologize for going long. Lord, help us. Father, in Jesus' name, take your word and seal it in our hearts. Let us understand that you have conquered and vanquished the enemy. The trial is not the enemy. You're using it somehow. Lord, open our eyes. Let us receive and let us rise up to be. Let this be the time of the revelation of the sons of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.